Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 31 You are Locked On 49ers. Your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Brian Peacock. Thanks, everybody, for joining me today. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, rate, review the show. We're streaming on Audio Boom, many other podcast delivery platforms. You can also find the stream and links to all that stuff at LockedOn49ers.com. Email, questions, comments, LockedOn49ers at Gmail. And if you'd like to be a sponsor for Locked On 49ers, again, hit me up at that email, LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. A lot of news happening on Monday that we need to get into here. So hopefully we have time to get to that Saints pick. If not, we might have to push that back until Wednesday. Uh, so offseason program started for the 49ers. That got rolling on Monday. The preseason schedule was released. And then a minor hiccup involving one of the newest 49ers running back Tim Hightower catastrophe was averted there. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that stuff. And actually, you know, let's start with Tim Hightower because uh, it was kind of funny. Uh, he put it out on social media, showed a photo of himself, and behind him was his placard that said Hightower 21. So whoever, and I'm not sure who it is these days who is the equipment manager for the 49ers, he gave out Frank Gore's number 21 to Tim Hightower, and that caused sort of a ruckus, at least on Twitter, is what I was following, and people were none too happy that Frank Gore's number was given out to anybody ever, especially so soon, just a couple years after Frank Gore had left the 49ers, still over there with the Colts, and, uh, you know, and actually, when we do talk about the Saints and get to that draft pick, we do have a little bit of a scouting report from Roy Anderson, who is sitting in and picking for the Saints and uh, he has very good things, glowing things to say about Tim Hightower as a person and a player. He thinks it's uh, going to be a very good fit there. So it sounds like he potentially is going to be a fan favorite. He's only on a one-year contract with the 49ers. But really, you know, shame on that equipment manager who issued Frank Gore's number 21 to Hightower. But props to Hightower for recognizing that mistake and requesting another number, including saying on Instagram that Gore's 21 should be retired. And, you know, saw that sentiment many times on Twitter as well on Monday and, uh, you know, also along with Patrick Willis is number 52. And I can't argue with either one of those numbers being retired. Tim Hightower, number 26 officially now. Well done. Welcome aboard. Probably won a few fans there. Tim Hightower, uh, good on you for uh, recognizing that uh, number 21 is probably not the right number for you, at least right now uh, with the 49ers. Another bit of news, and, you know, the NFL loves to release information and make a big deal about it. The preseason schedule was released on Monday and uh, not something that gets my heart pumping, but, you know, a couple of takeaways from this. And first takeaway was that the Oakland Raiders are not on the preseason schedule for the 49ers, a common opponent there. And it's usually fun to play the Raiders. And, uh, you know, there was some altercations and incidents 
you know, in years past recently, they, they kind of put a kibosh on some of that stuff. And so I think that's why I probably are not on the schedule. But man, the, the Raiders are just only a few more preseasons here in Oakland before that's a Los Angeles or a Las Vegas team. And maybe not quite the same familiarity or, or you know, locality with the Oakland Raiders being so close. And, and, you know, a lot of people feel that Bay Area rivalry and that might go by the wayside if they're down. You know, in L.A., they still had a little bit of a rivalry. Obviously, San Francisco teams and L.A. teams have that natural rivalry on the West Coast. But in Las Vegas, it's like, yeah, who, who cares, really? So I wonder how that that 49ers Raiders feelings will be uh, once they move over there to Las Vegas. The The second takeaway, and it's the first preseason game and it's the Kansas City Chiefs and I saw a lot of these hashtag revenge game for Alex Smith Kansas City Chiefs playing the 49ers this will be on the road in Kansas City week one uh, week of August 10th to the 14th week two of the preseason August 17th week will be uh, Denver Broncos they will be coming to Levi Stadium on the road again week three Sunday August 27th that game is set NBC 5 p.m. kickoff at the Minnesota Vikings and the Los Angeles Chargers will be visiting Levi Stadium in the final preseason showdown Thursday, August 31st. That is week four. First time we're going to see the Los Angeles Chargers and the 49ers. So, uh, yeah, big time exciting stuff with that preseason schedule being released on Monday. But for real, the, the, the big news that happened on Monday is that off-season schedule started to roll for the 49ers. The program is going and uh, players are in-house, coaches are in-house, and Kyle Shanahan did say there was 100% participation in this voluntary off-season program, so that's good news, getting to learn a lot about some of these things. And and it was kind of awesome to hear from Robert Sala, defensive coordinator, for the very first time. We'll get to him in a minute, but let's start with Mike, or I called him Mike Shanahan again. Gosh dang it, eventually I'll start stop calling Kyle Shanahan Mike Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan hit the podium first, so let's hear from him and get some of this uh, stuff out of the way for players that are, aren't going to be around anymore, like Tremaine Brock and what went into the decision to release him. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal, um, and you don't have all the information. And, you know, my first time going through it, I found out how hard it is to kind of get all the information. Uh, so we spend most of the day trying to figure out all the information you can as much as you can get. And uh, you never do get all of it, but, um, you know, there was enough there that we felt it was a decision we had to make and move on from. Yeah, and obviously that question will lead you to the next question, which how big of a need now is cornerback, and does that really change things from a need perspective with you know free agency or the draft as far as the 49ers roster is concerned in 2017? Not really. you got to make sure that it doesn't just as a coach and a personnel department. You know, you, you look into everybody. You want to make sure you're, you're taking the best players and the guys you think are the best, and you, you don't want that to be skewed in any way now. I, I can't lie to where if there was a guy we had tied with someone and it was dead even and then you look to the position of need more and, um, you know, we just we did lose a, a good player in this league and who is a starting corner and who helps this team out. So um, you look into that and the, it can change when there's when there's a tie maybe at something. But um, going into this draft, I don't look at, is it, at any position more important than the other. Uh, we're trying to improve at every single position on our team and uh, we were doing that at corner before this happened and now we're definitely still doing it after. A little bit of coach speak there because, you know, positional values are different for every position across the board and needs are going to change things. So, but I, I get what he's saying. You, you want to get the best players and, and they, you know, there's a chance that the 49ers and in, in the new management, the new coaching staff is really looking at this as a semi blank roster aside from some of the young players that they really think are going to be foundational and part of this team for a long time. They might be not really worried about pretty much anybody on the roster and, and replacing guys as they, as they see fit and as they bring in players that are better 
and cornerback is no different. And really, Tremaine Brock was in the last year of his deal. Yes, he was going to be a starter going into 2017, but he might not have been around any longer than that. So cornerback, like he said, was already in need. And we talked about it yesterday on the show. Uh, It's a good draft to be looking for a long cornerback that fits this scheme. So that's just been moved up one year for, you know, the need for an actual starter. But there's some guys in-house that could actually get some run early if they don't find necessarily a day one starter. And really, not many rookies are day one starters. You want to kind of push people in. It's not very often that you find multiple starters right away week one in the draft. So eventually, you're going to hope you find a lot of starters each year. You know, first three rounds is where you like to have starters and then role players from there on out. That's kind of the way it usually goes. But And, you know, who knows, maybe find more starters because there's more places the guys can start on this roster. But, yeah, cornerback, I I don't think it's really much more of a need than it was, you know, before the weekend. So moving on to Robert Sala, he's going to be a theme for the rest of this episode, and we're not going to get to his voice quite yet. We're still talking to Kyle Shanahan, and Shanahan was asked about Sala and his scheme specifically and why he was a fit and why he might have been brought in. Hardest to game plan for is usually the one with the best players that you can't block. So that And then that combined with a good scheme makes it very impossible. So um, you want to look to me, I, was, I just wanted a very sound defense, you know, that was built and predicated around stopping the run, um, that was very consistent. Um, just having some familiarity with this type of defense being in Atlanta that originated in Seattle. Um, I knew the ins and outs of how sound it was and the foundation you had for players and that it all started with stopping the run. Um, so that was really why I wanted to um, find a scheme and someone who could coach that scheme that had to do with the similar similarities to what we had in Atlanta. I, you've heard Kyle Shanahan a few times now mention stopping the run, and we're going to hear Robert Sala also mention stopping the run. And it's a real, uh, it's a real sticking point, and that was obviously. A very, very big part of why the 49ers were bad last year. They were the worst run defense in team history. That has to change, and I really like that point being brought up multiple times by this coaching staff because if you can't stop the run, then who cares about the pass? Because if you can't stop the run, you don't have to defend the pass because the other team doesn't have to pass. So they can run all over you, and you are really not going to be a very good football team. And we saw that you know, with a 2-14 and record last year for the 49ers. So, yeah, I love it. Stop the run. Stop the run, then worry about the pass. And when it comes to the pass, you know, uh, there's a guy named Jimmy Ward. And how does he fit on this roster? I know he's capable of doing both. That's something we're starting to work at today. Um, you know, the, the good thing about Jimmy is he's capable of doing both, um, which is a credit to him. In fairness to him, I want to make sure we put him at the best spot that is his best position. And I don't think we have that answer yet. Um, the good thing about him is he can help our team in either way. We think he can play at a high level of both positions, um, but that's something's going to have to do with how he ends up showing us in practice and how our roster ends up panning out. So it sounds like just a slight bit of a backtrack at the combine. It sounded a lot more like Jimmy Ward was going to be moved to free safety and it was more of a scheme fit there for him as a player. And uh, the question posed to Kyle Shanahan there before that answer was, does releasing Tremaine Brock change things? And, uh, you know, I think immediate need is one thing, but I don't think you want to over adjust for that as well. So if you still think Jimmy Ward is best off playing free safety, you should still move him to free safety. But, you know, he does have that versatility and you don't know how the things are going to go in the draft. So the fact that he could possibly pay both is probably, you know, a, a nice thing to have and, and a little bit of a comforting a situation for the coaching staff that, that they know they can kind of go either way in the draft and they don't necessarily have to nail something in free agency and bring in a starter at a spot just because they lost a starter 
but if I had to guess, I still think Jimmy Ward probably is going to end up going to free safety unless they end up spending a very high pick like pick number two on Malik Hooker or someone like that uh, to bring in to play free safety. Uh, otherwise, just you know, veteran player, and he and he's a very good player, and, and I like Jimmy Ward, and I want to see him out there starting. So uh, you got to believe he's going to be starting at free safety or corner uh, in week one in 2017. He also said that that Ward's shoulder is doing better, and he's not sure exactly where he's at with being cleared or if he's ready to go right now. But he he's it sounded like Jimmy's going to be ready to go. And so one more question was posed of Kyle Shanahan before we move on to Robert Sala and getting a lot of information about Sala and his defense that's coming in here. Shanahan was asked about offensive talent versus scheme fit and how they're looking in the draft and if, if scheme fit is a, is a big deal when it comes to evaluating players and, and guys they want to bring in and target. You know, players to fit your scheme to me is a little overrated. I'm usually a really good football player is a good football player in every scheme. Um, I think it can get you can get a little more into specifics when it comes to maybe the quarterback, um, maybe the offensive line, uh, but a receiver's a receiver, a running back's a running back, a tight end's a tight end. For the most part, O-linemen are O-linemen, but if, if you're going to be asking them to do a certain type of run the majority of the time as opposed to another, um, sometimes it does fit a little different body size or guys who can run a little bit more than the other. And same with the quarterback. If you're bringing in a quarterback who makes who is the best when he's a dual threat and can do all those type of things, that's... That affects an entire offense. That doesn't just affect one guy. Um, that's a huge commitment to your entire team. So when you bring in someone like that, where you're going to have to tinker the offense to fit one player, you got to know you're tinkering every single other person on that offense too. So when it comes to the quarterback and some old linemen, you look into that a little bit more. After that, I think it's all pretty overrated. When it comes to quarterback, and it was also asked of Shanahan about meeting with quarterbacks that are available in the draft, and Shanahan has met with. Mitch Trubisky, actually, which I don't think had been reported yet. It was reported that he was going to at some point. He already has a couple of times, apparently. Last week, he had a meeting with Trubisky and then also met with him personally at the Combine, and he will meet with Deshaun Watson today. But, you know, if you want to dig into that for for clues, what Shanahan just said about a running quarterback and how you have to change the whole offense, and it really reminds me back of his situation with Washington and RG3 and how Kirk Cousins was actually his guy and how he had to change the offense for RG3, make it work for him, and that it seemed like, you know, Kirk Cousins was maybe the player he liked and, and the kind of fit what he wanted to do, and you didn't have to change everything for that one player, and he could kind of run it like he wanted. Um, and if you're, you know, if you're looking at players in the draft, and, you know, maybe Deshaun Watson is more of a player that you want to utilize his legs. And how much does that change things from a perspective of a coach that wants to run it a certain way? Does he have to change too much for a guy like Deshaun Watson versus Mitch Trubisky or one of the other quarterbacks? So uh, that's very interesting. And and, um, one of the other interesting things that he said in this interview was that their draft board is still not set. And he said it'll be a work in progress until draft day, you know, and it sounded like there was still a lot of work to do, especially on the defensive side of the ball as far as evaluations go and setting the board. And, you know, the scouting department and coaching staff did get a late start on this process, so they might be a little bit behind. You know, I've read around that most teams at this point are kind of really finalizing things. It doesn't sound like the 49ers are there. So always also keep that in mind when you hear rumors about who the 49ers are quote-unquote in love with as far as the draft's concerned uh, their board's not set so they can't really have a definitive answer for that so uh, yeah a lot of that's probably a lot of bs and, and there's a lot of smoke screens to come there so uh, who knows but um, one more point that Shanahan mentioned is that Navarro Bowman is progressing and could be cleared for phase two of the off- offseason program in a few weeks and actually 
cleared and and hit the field. So it sounds like by training camp, he's going to be ready to go in 100%, and that is fantastic. Very good news. So let's get on to Robert Sala's media session. And it was kind of cool hearing from him because we really hadn't. He was sort of a shadowy secret figure, and we knew he was going to bring that cover three defense in that's famous from Seattle and that Kyle Shanahan saw firsthand under Quinn over in Atlanta. And obviously, Sala came over from Jacksonville where they were running it under Gus Bradley. And, you know, to be honest with you, Sala was a very impressive guy, just judging by this one interview. I could see why he bowled over teams in interviews and why uh, the 49ers would want to hire this guy. Smart guy. I know hopefully he thrives in this jump from linebackers coach to defensive coordinator. So let's just start off with what he had to say about just the overall roster and his thoughts on on where they were at from a personnel standpoint on defense coming into this thing. You know, we're, we're excited about it as a staff. There's, uh, there's a lot of uh, pieces to work with. Um, especially up front. I mean, those guys are, uh, it, it, it looks it looks on paper to be a really good group of guys, and we're excited to get our hands on them to see what they're capable of doing. So he was asked after that, like, what, what he thought was wrong with the team last year and, and what the emphasis was going to be. And we already heard from Kyle Shanahan mentioned that the team was really focused on stopping the run. So let's see what Robert Sala has to say about that. I can't speak for last year. I, I, I do know, just looking at it, uh, I can't speak for what they were being coached a year ago. I know uh, uh, Jimmy is a hell of a coordinator, a hell of a football coach, and the staff he had, I'm sure they were on point with exactly what they were trying to get accomplished. Um, but moving forward, uh, stopping the run is our number one priority. Uh, the way we align our demeanor, the uh, responsibility of the defensive players, we will stop the run on this defense. Like it. I love it. Stop. Please stop the run. Oh, God, that was so frustrating to watch. In 2016, you, you have to stop the run first. And, and I love that they're making a point to be like, look, we're going to stop the run, period. Let's go. And so, yeah, I love it. I'm actually just getting pumped about seeing some football now that I hear these guys talk about it and, and hearing them talk about scheme and stuff. And um, when it comes to the scheme, there was a lot of questions because we there's been a lot of guessing and who fits where and, and what's really important in this scheme for Robert Solace. So uh, the question was asked, and, and by the way, uh, Chris Biederman w- was getting a lot of run in this, asking a lot of questions, and I got to give props to to Chris, a friend of the show, by the way, that um, – yeah, asking some very good questions. A lot of questions I had, he was asking those. So uh, thanks, Chris, for asking those. And this was one of them. It was about the single high defense and the free safety and, and the cover three scheme and how that's going to look. We are a single high defense. Um, the the system, you could say, it originated in uh, Seattle. I was there from the from the uh, get-go. Um, three teams currently, Seattle, uh, Atlanta, Jacksonville, if you're looking at tape, all of them have their nuances and how they uh, operate. Uh, this will be a very... Uh, I don't want to say it'll be a very different scheme, but there are going to be differences and there will be nuances within the scheme that make it unique to us. So it's funny because I kind of go back and forth. If I was like writing a mock draft for the 49ers while I was watching this press conference, things would have changed so much. I'd have been like, oh, they need a quarterback and, and oh, they need this or they need that. Or, oh, it's just about best player available. And then you hear him talk about single high defense and they need that safety. I'm thinking, oh, God, you know, maybe they do need Malik Hooker. And, you know, who cares about his run defense? They need that single high safety. They can really make this thing run and cover sideline to sideline on the backside uh, and cover deep in center field. 
And it's funny because that's right where I was with this. And, you know, Twitter was kind of blowing up as this thing was happening because uh, the, the video and the audio wasn't happening live. It was just like reporters saying what the guys were saying. So as soon as you see single ice defense, we're like, oh, my God, we need Hooker. Hooker's the pick. And then it would kind of change from there. So uh, let's move on to the front seven and, and some of the pieces there and how those might fit. And what exactly is the Sam linebacker in this defense? It's real simple. Uh, the league back in the day uh, was heavy base. Sam linebacker, 65-70% of the game was uh, you'd have a Sam linebacker on the field where he'd, he'd need to perform his duties as in, in base defense. Uh, present day, it's almost 70% nickel. And the nickel who doesn't get talked about as a starter um, is one of the, he's starting to come up as an individual piece to the puzzle. So when looking at the Sam linebacker and what they're asked to do on a day-to-day basis, 70% of the game, their hand will be in the ground. Um, so we're looking for more of an edge rusher as opposed to what it was uh, in years past with a brute Sam linebacker, Bill Romanowski type, uh, trying to move forward from that. Are there guys that can already on the roster? Oh, yeah. There's there's plenty here. Uh, Ahmad Brooks, Eli, uh, we just signed Dakota Watson. Those guys are, uh, if you're going to paint a picture, that's what they'd look like. Again, solid questions, Chris. Thank you very much for those. And the question before that answer was more about, you know, what, what's the personnel like? It's, it sounds like it's 3-4 personnel, but running a 4-3 defense with that 3-4 personnel. And, and that's where that came from. And, and look, it sounds a lot like the Leo and the Sam are very similar to what those 3-4 outside linebackers were. It's going to be the same guys. It's going to be Ahmad Brooks. And it sounds like the Leo is going to be Aaron Lynch. Aaron is, uh, he's, he's on the defensive line. Um, we're going to try to keep his hand in the ground at all times. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, at, when he came out of the draft, um, we were looking at him as a possible Leo. So he has all the traits that you would like. Um, now it's a matter of us trying to um, work with him to, to best utilize what he's, what he's, in my mind, designed to do. And that's get after the passer. So how about some examples of what a Leo looks like aside from Aaron Lynch, what kind of player is that in this scheme? Um, I'll name some names that, are, that have been uh, Leos in the past, uh, even if they haven't been attached to the system. But uh, people who have been attached to the system, you're looking at Chris Clemens, uh, Cliff Averill, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, Dante Fowler, Vic Beasley. Um, people outside the system, you'd look at Von Miller, Khalil Mack. Uh, back in its heyday, Charles Haley would have been a guy that, that, that would have been a Leo. So this defense needs an elite piece like that. Oh, yeah. He kind of got a little chuckle there after that. Oh, yeah. So, look, uh, stop the run first, then get after the quarterback second. So then you start hearing him talk about that, stop the run, get after the quarterback. You need a Leo. Oh, yeah. So then I'm thinking, okay, we'll scratch Malik Hooker, get him off the list. Now we're looking, okay, we need a linebacker. We need to stop the run. We need some stout defensive linemen. We need that elite pass rusher and he stopped a little bit short that the the clip the two clips ago when he talked about Aaron Lynch he stopped a little bit short of saying uh, they want to make sure Lynch is in shape and be, because the names he just named as examples of past Leos in the league or what the ideal is there uh Aaron Lynch was about 40 pounds heavier than all of those guys last year when he showed up at you know 290 pounds in camp after his suspension and then got hurt and he wasn't the same guy uh, I, I there I just you, you sensed a little bit of hesitation from Sala about Lynch, you know. And it, I, I bet that's why he kind of sounded that way. 
And I, I have to think that they're going to find a guy. They, they need another guy to rush the passer anyways besides Lynch, even if Lynch is ready to go. But I think there's maybe some questions there about Lynch. So, yeah, Leo's a very important position to this scheme. If you're not getting after the quarterback, you're going to be uh, in trouble. So I would imagine that's something they're going to be looking at very high in the draft, very important position there. They have brought in a few guys. Tim Williams is one of the guys I believe that's going to be coming in and, and talking to the team and uh, having one of those visits. So they're going to get to know him and, and, and see if he has that, that dog in him and see if he's, you know, some of the things that have, that have followed him around character questions are legit. He might be someone who's on the board there at pick 34, and it's really a good draft for that Leo position at the top of the second round, possibly some guys there at the top of the third round as well. So moving on behind that, Leo, there is a linebacker situation. And again, sounds very similar to how the 3-4 defense ran. So you got a Sam who's a 3-4 outside linebacker. You got a Leo who's sort of a 3-4 outside linebacker. And then you have a, a middle linebacker and a weak side linebacker, which sounds really a lot like what the two inside linebackers were before in a 3-4 defense. You know, responsibilities might be different, but personnel-wise sounds very similar. Uh, yeah, the, the Mike Will, they're... Uh... They're interchangeable. So if you look at Seattle, their will linebacker, K.J. Wright, is six foot four, 245 pounds. If you look at Jacksonville, the will linebacker was six foot three, 215 pounds. Uh, if you look at Atlanta's Mike linebacker, he's 220 pounds, and Bobby Wagner sits at 240. So there's no uh, height, weight uh, um, parameter. But what there is is if one person can communicate and the other one might be able to communicate, but one is better than the other. Let's just put it that way. So uh, whoever... The Mike linebacker, that's right. And so whoever can communicate the best um, will be the Mike. So, yeah, Bowman's the, the Mike. He's the middle linebacker, and he's the leader of that defense. He's the guy getting the calls in from the coaching staff. So, yeah, he's going to be that guy. The weak side linebacker really sounds like Malcolm Smith. And, and you know, Smith is going to benefit from uh, being back in this scheme, and it's something that, Sala mentioned about Smith is he's gonna you know the Raiders kind of got away from that scheme and it's and and he really wants to see Malcolm Smith back in this defense like he was in Seattle and it sounds like draft picks aside you know he's penciled in that weak side spot next to Navarro Bowman in the middle health permitting and hopefully we'll get to see that uh, vintage Navarro Bowman even if he is a step slower in the middle of the defense so a few other notes from Robert Sala and again really impressive guy uh, it was really nice. They, to be honest with you, they should have had Robert Sala out in front and doing some interviews right after they hired him because a lot of people thought maybe he wasn't enough qualified. They wanted some bigger names. Uh, I'm sold on the guy just after hearing him speak because he's definitely smart. Uh, he, you know, I, I don't know how he's going to call a game. You know, one of the big things he said is that he never called plays, and that was asked about him. You know, have you ever called plays? Why do you think you might be good at it? He said he had great teachers that he coached under, and he did have some very good coaches he played with. And he said play play calling is the least of his worries. So you know some confidence there, which I like as well. Very smart guy for sure. And, and you know, and he I think he won over the crowd. There's no doubt about that. A few more notes from Sala's press conference there. And Eric Reed, he said, is a box safety. He's going to play that strong safety spot. So that leaves a gap at that single high free safety. So now we're back and forth again. Maybe that free safety is important in the draft. You know, Is that going to be Jimmy Ward or is it going to be a draft pick? Uh, that's, that's going to be a big question that we're going to find out about going forward here. My guess, Ward, free safety, best fit. Uh, Salas said he wants to see him on the field first. You know, Shanahan said the same thing. So that might change things from a safety perspective, but 
you know, it, it, you don't have to only draft Malik Hooker at pick two in this draft to find a single high free safety. There's some other guys out there, and you know, Earl Thomas doesn't exist out there. He's he's one of a kind. So stop trying to find Earl Thomas. But you do need that guy who can cover on the back end. So that is an important position. And to be honest with you, I think Jimmy Ward does fit that. But there are some other players in the draft. And even if Ward was playing free safety, you want to draft another guy who you can develop behind him anyway. So that was fun. A lot of uh, a lot of big news happening on Monday with the 49ers. And it was really cool to get that press conference in there. There was some other players were interviewed as well. Don't have the audio there. DeForest Buckner did have one quote that I really loved. And he said, basically, he's like, I am ready to go. I've grown into my body I've developed some man strength which is scary because he was already you know 67 290 and he was very strong as it was and and him growing into more man strength there uh, is very exciting and he also said he just wants to go play violently and so he sounded like he was kind of ready to go and it got me pumped up and it really got me pumped up to hear that whole press conference and, and have some hard 49ers news and and learn a little bit about Robert Sala and the scheme he's going to run and and confirm some things and then I'm getting more excited for the draft than I already was, and I already was very excited. Uh, you know, we have two new schemes. We have a, a Kyle Shanahan. makes so excited to see that on offense as well as, as Sala's new uh, cover three scheme on defense. All right, that's going to do it for today. We're going to get into the Saints pick in our mock draft, get back to that thing on Wednesday. We have Roy Anderson, who is the host for Locked on Saints. He's going to be making that pick for number 11 in the New Orleans Saints. And then I do have Matt Barrows join the show on Thursday. I believe he will be in Santa Clara when we're talking to him at the facility. So I'll get some insight there from Mr. Matt Barrows, one of my favorite people to talk to on Thursday. And then uh, the Winky Wednesday is going to be pushed back to Friday, it looks like, this week. So excited to finish out this week, and we will talk to you tomorrow on Locked On 49ers. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17